are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday. Hopefully you've recovered from the Saints loss yesterday. Yes, disappointing, but the Pelican season goes on. They got a win last night. We're here to recap the weekend, take a look at the big win over the Sacramento Kings, the loss to the Los Angeles Lakers as well. And then I want to talk a little bit about the offense in the third segment here because it did struggle down the stretch against the Kings. Still, what's going on? Does Stan Van Gundy actually think it's an issue or not an issue? We'll get into all of that. And I've got a big week planned for y'all because there's a lot to really dive into with this team. So, so let's dive into everything. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. So a couple things first before we dive into the Lakers game and what went into that loss despite the Pelicans being up by 15 at one point. First and foremost, sorry for no show. Friday was feeling absolutely terrible. Good news is no COVID. Back with you all this week. Not planning on missing any more shows for a while. So sorry about that. And of course, the Saints lost yesterday. If you want to know a little bit more about that game, what went wrong? How was this potentially the end of Drew Brees' career? Make sure you check out Locked on Saints with host Ross Jackson. He's one of the best we have on the network, just straight up, just one of the best across all sports. He's covering the Saints Monday through Friday for you all. No paywall. And there's a lot to talk about right now with the most likely retirement of a Hall of Fame level player, best player in Saints history. He's going to cover it from all angles, probably better than anyone you're going to find out there. So make sure you check him out over at Locked On Saints, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so the Pelicans had two games over the weekend, starting with the Lakers game on Friday. After building up to a 15-point lead in the first half, the Pelicans ultimately fell 112-95 in a game that not particularly close. The Pelicans came out firing and they were looking good and playing like they really wanted to win this one and probably stick it to Anthony Davis to some degree. Um, and after the first quarter, you had Brandon Ingram with eight points, Zion Williamson with six. Their three-point shot was falling. Things were looking good. They carried some of that momentum over into the second half where Brandon Ingram had another nine and Zion Williamson had five, leading to both those guys in the first half, putting up 17 and then 11, respectively. And things were looking okay. But around the middle of the second quarter, you saw Steven Adams and LeBron James start to jaw at each other on the basket, led to a double technical. And then the Lakers woke up. They probably played what might have been their worst first half of the season in this game. Yet, despite the Pelicans being up 15 were only uh, only up one going into halftime because they woke up after that that argument between Steven Adams and LeBron James 11 and 0 run for the Lakers and that pretty much shut the door on this they're a better team the Pelicans still have a long way to go and try and figure some things out and that's kind of like all you could say about this game we're going to talk about it a little bit more but basically the better team woke up and played like the better team and LeBron James looked like he had a point to prove the rest of the way and New Orleans just doesn't have anything for that. 
when when a wing like LeBron decides they want to play and play well, there really isn't a whole lot New Orleans can do. Not a whole lot. A lot of teams can do, right? But they don't really have that pure wing stopper. You have Josh Hart on the outside, but he's going to be undersized against this. You're not going to really throw that on Brandon Ingram the whole time. LeBron James, by the way, 21 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds. On the night, though, B.I., 20 points, 5 assists. He was 2 of 4 from deep, 9 of 15 shooting overall. Zion Williamson, 21 points, 12 12 boards, nine of them defensive for him. And then you had Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was getting the starting nod after a big game against the Clippers, which really kept them in that one until somewhat towards the end, playing another 20 minutes, scoring 12 points in this one. He also finished with two assists, three rebounds. He was five of eight from the field, two of three from deep. He did have five turnovers, though. And that's what I thought was kind of interesting in this one. You know, with... The guard rotation somewhat limited with no Eric Bledsoe, no Lonzo Ball, and Nikhil getting significant minutes again. You saw some more trust from Stan Van Gundy than I think I was expecting. He's got a bit of a short leash with some of these younger guys, and he's clearly not playing some of these younger guys because he doesn't trust them not to turn the ball over. Well, Nikhil was plagued by turnovers in this one, five. He had a turnover percentage in this game of close to 46%. So he's basically turning the ball over one out of every two times. He really kind of gets it and starts running their offense to some degree. It's pretty bad number he was still in the game still playing significant minutes till finally this one was just closed and done and dusted and you don't need to play him anymore but there is definitely some growing trust in Stan Van uh, from Stan Van Gundy in Nikhil Alexander Walker and he's going to probably have a larger role going forward probably the rest of the season and that I thought was slightly encouraging to see rookie Kyra Lewis Jr. did get 10 minutes of action in this one but not a great night from him two of eight from the field 0 for 3 from deep he did finish with two assists and four total points just kind of shrug your shoulders this Lakers team's good they gave New Orleans fits and lots of trouble and started going inside and trying to score and doing a pretty decent job of it particularly in the second half and the second quarter and that's what got them back in this one a lot of people have pointed out the free throw um, dilemma that New Orleans had in this one in the difference. Well, it was earned by the Lakers. The Lakers went to the line 26 times compared to the Pelicans 8. Lakers got aggressive when they were down trying to get back in this one. New Orleans didn't have an answer. And that scoring inside, which isn't something you've totally seen from New Orleans uh, or against New Orleans this season because they've done a good job of limiting points in the paint. And while the numbers look okay, the Lakers only had 42 compared to the Pelicans 46. It kind of belies how much of an issue it was in the second half of this game and the second quarter of this game. And I'm going to repeat some of these numbers that you'll see come up in the Kings game. There's a thread here, and this is something we'll probably touch on later in the week. I want to look at that into your defense. So I do think this has potential, while okay right now, to be a really big problem. And I'll share some of those numbers with you from the Kings game coming up here in just a second when we touch on that one. A win for New Orleans. Nice to get off of the losing streak that they were on. So before we get to that game, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, period. It's really that simple. I eat one of these things every single day before I go work out. Basically, it's kind of a meal replacement to keep my lunch a little bit lighter while also just helping me get a little bit better in shape. The reason I eat one of these things every single day, they taste really 
really good, like no other protein bar out there on the market. I used to travel a lot for work when we were still allowed to travel. Sometimes you need to throw something in your bag just to have as a snack to kind of keep you going. Something that's good for you, something high in protein to kind of help you at your best. And I used a bunch of different bars. Never really liked them, but they served their purpose. Here I actually like these. I enjoy eating these things and I'm almost looking forward to eating them. That's because they're so delicious. They come in unbelievable flavors, including six new flavors like caramel brownie cookies and cream lemon almond cheesecake i just tried the mint brownie really for the first time the other day and that's basically going to be my go-to going forward these bars are covered in 100 real chocolate they're soft they're easy to chew they're not dry they're not chalky you don't need to chug down a bottle of water after you eat one they're just great for the health conscious person because these bars are low calorie low sugar high in protein and high in fiber some have 19 grams of protein that's a lot and just 180 calories that's a little they also have some that have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories so you're not wasting all that time you did for the cardio um these things are great give them a try go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on you're gonna get 20 percent off your next order if you've ordered them before they reset the promo code so you get to save even more money yet again so use promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com so 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. And if you're betting this year and you want more wins, you've got to listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. It was like a sports bettors dream over the weekend, right? NFL playoffs, NBA action, a ton of other things going on. It's a lot to try and keep up with. And if you want to know the smartest bets, well, the guys over at Locked On Bets are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. So the Pelicans were in action Sunday night, a game a lot of you might have missed with the Saints game overlapping for a period of time, but they ended up getting a 128-123 win, snapping the losing streak that they were on. And a game that basically, uh, it's not a must win. I don't know if there's really going to be many must win games for the Pelicans this season, but a game you wanted them to win, right? Like this was one they should win and they should at least put up some points. Their offense has really, really struggled at times throughout this year, though Stan Van Gundy claims it's not an issue. Well, there's no better team to get back on track against offensively than the Sacramento Kings. I think it was the ringer that ran an article saying, what's the best offensive team in the NBA? Is it the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, um, the Nets? No, it's any team that's playing the Sacramento Kings because their defensive rating is basically historically bad right now, like the worst we've almost ever seen. So any team that plays them should be putting up a ton of points. Well, New Orleans did that in a win uh, while they scored 128 points. The problem was they gave up 123 to make this one much closer than it should have been. The Pelicans had an 18-point lead in this one. But you know what? I'm not going to nitpick some of that stuff, at least not just yet. Let's look at some of the good in this one. Eric Bledsoe back in the starting lineup. Still no Lonzo Ball for New Orleans. And that meant Nikhil Alexander-Walker drew the starting nod alongside him, along with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Steven Adams in New Orleans just feasted offensively, particularly in the first half. These guys look good. On the night, Brandon Ingram finished with 22 points, but it was Zion Williamson who stole the show. 31 points on the night on 86.7% shooting. 
13 of 15 from the field, though there were stretches where New Orleans went away from him for far too long. This is a game that he probably could have put up 40 points, potentially 50 with the rate that he was scoring in that efficiently. Scoring over two points per possession is an absolutely bonkers number. He also only did that while shooting five free throws. That's it. That's total. If I had told you 31 points on 15 possessions, he or 15 shots, you'd probably think he went to the line like 10, 15 times. He didn't. This was just the Kings having no answer for him down low and the Pelicans using him in a really good variety of ways. And we'll get to that in just a second. Because the reason he was so effective was one, the Kings had no answer down low. But two, you got really good in quality guard play. Something you haven't seen from New Orleans this season. And yes, Lonzo Ball fans, that's basically a shot at him. You saw guards who were aggressive, willing to drive, and willing to attack. Uh, you had Eric Bledsoe with 21 points on the night, wanting to be aggressive and get down low and score. He drove into the paint um, in this game 11 times. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the starting backcourt teammate who didn't get it done scoring-wise like he did against the Clippers two nights or two games ago, finished with just nine points on the night, three of eight shooting, but he drove. Something, again, you don't see from some of the other guards here or all the time from the other guards here. He drove 10 times. And then rookie Kyra Lewis Jr. trying to make his presence felt in a game where he he didn't quite. He finished with nine points on the uh, sorry three points on the night for him he was one of five shooting but he finished with five assists he had nine potential assists and this dude can get to any spot on the court with his speed and he drove in this game again pretty good numbers for a rookie nine times you have Lonzo Ball who averages four to five on the season these guys were aggressive in this game and it freed up so much for Zion because it forced defenders to rotate over to take away those drives to the rim. You couldn't just stick a man on Zion somewhat down low or in the dunker spot or in the short corner and not have to and not worry because these guards were blitzing, they were attacking and it forced the defense to try and help and here's what it allowed Zion Williamson to do and this is what we really want to see more of going forward. He would stand in the short corner or maybe that kind of baseline mid-range spot or the dunker spot, one of those things, basically on the baseline away from the basket. And when his man rotated over to help, he started motoring towards the rim. And when he got close enough and the help defender got to the guard to take away the drive to the rim, if they got there to take away the drive to the rim, that guard, all they had to do was dump it off to Zion with a short pass. And then Zion, with a full head of steam and in the ball in his hands, managed to finish basically every time. He missed one shot on the night. His shot chart is a thing of beauty. It's just all green down low, right at the basket. Because these guards created space for him. It wasn't shooters out there on the court spacing the court for him. It was guards driving. Teams are going to cover Zion when he can, when he has the ability to shoot like he did. Sorry, 13 or 15. He missed two shots on the night, not just one. But when you have a guy who can shoot 87%, they're going to cover him over open three-point shooters unless that shooter is like a 100% three-point shooter on good volume because Zion is such a threat down low. But if you have guys that are blitzing the rim and are going to make you pay at least that way if you don't move off of him and try and take them away, that is how you create space for Zion Williamson. So while the Pelicans did shoot the three ball well in this one, 11 of 22, so 50% on the night, that's not what space the court. It was the guys driving and being aggressive and attacking, and that's what opened things up. Look, it helps when you get J.J. Reddick getting a shooting stroke back a little bit, three of five from deep. You got really quality minutes from Jackson Hayes, and he's kind of strung together about 
three to five good to decent games here. He finished with 11 points on the night and six rebounds, showed a nice soft touch around the rim, even breaking out a mid-range jumper. But this is about Zion and how they used him to make him more effective. He's been scoring points all season long, but it's been a lot of hard work for him trying to score inside around three, four guys at times. Here, he didn't have to deal with that, and that's why his shooting percentage skyrocketed, but it starts with the play of the guards in Eric Bledsoe, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Kyra Lewis Jr. Now, the flip side of this game is a bit concerning. The Pelicans do a good job of deterring shots at the rim, right? They're trying to not let you get in there and score. However, When you do get in and try and score against them, you can do it at a pretty high rate. And while, and you saw this kind of game sums it up. The Kings took 29% of their shots at the rim. The Pelicans by comparison, 45%. Pelicans shot 63.2% of their shots at the, or they, they converted at 63.2% their shooting percentage down low. Kings converted at 87% when they got into the paint and score. Now, most of this damage was done by De'Aaron Fox. 17 of 27 on the night, 3 of 9 from deep, so not great there. 43 points. He managed to torch the Pelicans' defense, get into the paint, score, and they didn't really have an answer for it. I haven't really had an answer for most teams that managed to do to get inside and score at him. So if the Pelicans want to try and contest the three-point shot better, and this is going to be something we're going to look at really tomorrow with the Utah Jazz, because they're potentially in for a world of hurt here. Um, you know, they've got to do a better job of running guys off the three-point line, contesting on that, while also managing to defend the interior fine. And you hear Eric Bledsoe say, we're probably over-helping too much inside, and it's leading to a lot of open three-point shooters that we don't want to give up. Well, the thing is, they might need to do that over-helping, because when teams do get inside and try and score against them, they do a really good job of it, as you saw in this game against De'Aaron Fox. Now, it's De'Aaron Fox. He's a borderline all-star. You know, I don't, I don't know if you want to read too much into it, but this game was closer than it probably should have been for New Orleans. You also had Marvin Bagley, the third, play insanely well, particularly down low, too. He finished with 26 points on the night. You know, it was a bit of a concern that you saw them score so easily inside when they do that. And if teams manage to kind of figure this out and realize we're just going to go at New Orleans or New Orleans relaxes a little bit on their interior defensive determent, let's call it, and tries to focus more on the three-point line, you might see a lot of points in the paint really given up by this team, and that's probably a recipe for their defense to look bad. They gave up 66 points in the paint in this one. It's not a good number, and Stan Van Gundy's not going to be happy about that. It leads me to be somewhat concerned that it's kind of like a dam waiting to burst here in New Orleans when it comes to the interior defense and teams scoring at the rim. Something to keep an eye on going forward. But I do want to look at this game a little bit more and why the Pelicans offense struggled so much down the stretch in clutch time, crunch time, as the Pelicans tried to close this game out. What's it mean going forward? We're going to look at that coming up here in just a second. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by betonline.ag. Look, it's the NFL playoffs. They're well underway and kind of deep into the action when these games get really interesting and really fun to bet on. Plus, there's NBA action almost every single night. And if you want to get in on the action and make these games a little bit more interesting, there's no better place to do it and only one place I trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. It's already like you've won a bet. You're getting free money just by signing up they've got the nfl playoff game of the week and every big line in the nba and look if you were feeling good about the pelicans in the kings game last night you could have made a lot of money pelicans minus two and a half that one cashed 
plus the over of 226.5, cleared that by a long shot. If you've been listening to the show, if you've been following along with the team, you probably have a good idea of what's going on with the Pelicans. And hey, put some money where it all matters over at betonline.eg. And again, use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So tomorrow's show, definitely going to be looking at the defense, the interior presence, why that could be a problem. Also previewing the King, uh, the Kings game, the Jazz game. There we go. We just beat the Kings. That's going to be an interesting one because the Jazz present a lot of matchup problems. And this is really maybe going to give us an idea of where the Pelicans stand kind of with everything is the defense over committing. Are they not? We'll dive into that all in tomorrow's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the Pelicans offense really struggled down the stretch against the Sacramento Kings. And we've seen New Orleans really come up uh, badly in clutch games uh, the past year and even this year. We had one good game with Brandon Ingram early on in the season. And I said, maybe he's the closer this team needs because they desperately need a closer. And then since then, hasn't really gone that that way for him. I don't think and I, I think the number is he is 0 for 9. It might be a little bit more than that. It might be 0 for 10 now um, from three in the fourth quarter in close games this season. That's bad. Like That's just a horrifically bad number and something you can't give up. And look, in the uh, fourth quarter of the game yesterday, he was 0 for 2. That's it. Just two shots that he took in the fourth quarter, including one shot in clutch time. Your best player can't be that invisible, and a lot of it's on him. It does seem like he seems to get in his head a little bit, that if he misses a shot or two, he kind of fades away from the offense and seems to take away, uh, take a bit of a back seat and lets other people try and step up and do it because, I don't know, maybe he thinks he's not capable of it. But that's his time to cook. That's where he needs to be the man that goes and closes this game out and delivers New Orleans a victory. Clutch time lasted for about three and a half minutes or so in last night's game against the Sacramento Kings. 3.7 or so, three and a half. The Pelicans, during that stretch of clutch time trying to close the game out, and clutch time is defined as um, five minutes left in the game, score within five points either way. If it gets outside of that five-point thing, it no longer kind of becomes that. Five points either way, five minutes left. New Orleans, during that stretch, made one shot. That's it. Literally, one shot. One made field goal. They were one, two, three, four, five. They were one of five in clutch time situations in the against the Sacramento Kings. Now, they got lucky and got it done at the line. Steven Adams was five of six from the line. He's shooting below 50% this season. It's not something you necessarily want to rely upon um, in games to try and close them out. Zion Williamson was two for two. He's not a great free throw shooter. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, two for two. J.J. Redick, two for two. They stepped up and won this game with free throw shooting down the stretch. They made all but one of their free throws during that time. They took 11 of them. They made 10 of them and managed to close out the game. But the shooting... My God, two or one of five. That's not how you close games out. They need Brandon Ingram to step up during this time. You need to get more creative and feed Zion Williamson. They tend to go with a much more isolation-based attack. Less of that off-ball movement, ball movement style that we saw them use to run up most of the points that they did and build that big lead against the Sacramento Kings. The guards stopped being aggressive and didn't quite drive as much. They didn't use Zion Williamson on the baseline nearly as much. And that's why this offense started to give it away and this game became closer and closer and closer till basically became a free throw contest for the Pelicans at the end of the game and they managed to win. This isn't going to get it done against better teams 
than the Sacramento Kings, who did struggle on their own right in scoring late in the game. It's not going to work and you're going to lose games because of this. And this is where Brandon Ingram needs to step up. And if there's a knock on him as a player, it's absolutely this in the fourth quarter. You need him to come through. And he didn't in this game. It was the other guys that did. And barely at that. I'm not going to bank on the hack of Steven Adams strategy for the Sacramento Kings backfiring on them. Usually that should work. It was the smart move. But they, uh, it, he managed to get it done. So credit to him, credit the rest of the team for making their free throws. But this is where it's got to be B.I.'s time to shine. And he did not shine in this game. And the Pelicans, to some degree, were lucky to escape Sacramento with a victory. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. A lot more to come this week. I want to look more at the defense, what's going on there on the interior. I want to look more at the offense. Is it as not a big issue like uh, Stan Van Gundy has said? Because frankly, I think it is. You probably think it is as well. And then, of course, a couple of games against the Jazz this week. We'll preview all of that. So a lot to come. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Locked on Pelicans here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. No paywall. Just five days a week of Pelicans talk. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.